Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Goray, TJ Beter, and Kathy Goray. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, one and all. Did you know that today is National Corn Beef Hash Day? Well, apparently everything does have its own day. Thank you all for tuning in to Greyhounds Make Great Pets, where today the racing talk takes a different direction. Today we'll be talking horse racing with our guest, owner and trainer, Stacy Campo, and Vincent Francia, general manager of Turf Paradise Racetrack in Phoenix, Arizona. But right now I'd like to turn things over to the two dudes who continually remind us all that truth has no agenda. Your GMGP hosts for today, Rory Goray and John Parker. Welcome. Good morning. How we doing? We're fine, except it Good could morning. Be. Good morning, John. Of course, it's afternoon in some parts of the well, world. Well, that is true. Yeah. Or evening. It is here in Georgia. There yeah. you go. Well, I, I just got to, I think it's maybe now time for the Rory Gory story hour. Oh, we haven't had that in no, years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Rory but. Gory, tell us a story. <laughs> uh, this past Saturday, I uh, went out to Turf Paradise, the horse track here in uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I went out to visit, just talk with all the people back there that were there. I, got, I actually got there a little early, 4.30 in the morning. No one told me that there's not really much going on at that time. But it was kind of exciting seeing the, the track come to life. But I was uh, over by one barn, and there was these three goats. And it was this one black one, and she came walking over to me. And so I started petting her. And then there's uh, this other goat, had horns. I think his name was Billy. He came charging at me and was trying to ram me, and I put my hand up and stopped him. And then I bent over and I showed him my badge and said, do you know who I am? (laughs) He looked at the badge, looked up at me, backed up, and just turned around and walked away. Wow. They are very (laughs) well-educated goats out there at the track, aren't they? (laughs) They are. are. But it's kind of exciting today to have uh, some of the horse people here representing, um, and as some people do know I am a racing commissioner here in Arizona, and both of our guests today are under the jurisdiction of the uh, commission, and just wanted to get that disclosed. But one of the greatest joys of being a commissioner is representing all of these wonderful people, regardless if they're on the front or back side. I'm often reminded of the Brady Bunch kids in the episode, Kitty Carry All is Missing. See, I told you I was going to bring the Brady I, Bunch okay. into this. <laughs> After Cindy and Bobby got mad at each other, Cindy she had lost her doll. She Kitty accuses, Carriol. Yeah. She accuses Bobby of the doll napping and won't believe him when he promises he didn't take it. This, of course, causes a rift between the boys and the girls. But eventually, one of the boys saw how sad Cindy was, and he went and bought her a new doll. And in the sport of racing, it's, it is like a family. And while we may have some of our rifts or disagreements, I'll tell you what, I have never seen a group of people that when somebody needs help, somebody's in trouble, they stand shoulder to shoulder, no matter what, to help each other out. And to me, I think that's one of the most remarkable things of, of these people I represent is how they stand up for each other and will help each other no matter what. Well, that's the way it should be. And I think with that, we should introduce our two guests today, uh, Stacy Campo from which, what's your stable name? Uh, well, my, actually, I trained for my father. Oh, and for it's, it's Campo Grande Racing Stable. All right. Now, how many horses are you going to have out there this year? I have 13 there right now. All right. That's exciting. And we have Vincent Francia, the general manager of Turf Paradise. Vincent, welcome. 
Uh, Rory, thanks so much. Uh, I, I liked your introduction about characterizing uh, the racetrack world. It, it is. Uh, I mean, it, it is kind of like we're, we are a family. We have, just like families, we have our rifts, we have our disagreements. But whenever there is somebody in trouble, somebody's maybe ill, um, injured, God, you guys come together like nothing and work for each other. And that is probably the most remarkable thing I have ever seen. And I got to say, too, it was exciting this uh, year or this last Saturday when I was back there because I, I visited with a lot of people and I was shocked. Nobody had any complaints or bitches at me yet. They were all yet. happy. <laughs> they were all happy, all happy and excited about the upcoming season. Um, I was like, yeah, but you're. Yeah, you're experiencing the euphoria that comes with the opening of a new race meet. The, it falls under that umbrella of Hope Springs Eternal. And uh, wait till we get the first race under our belt, then, then we'll see. <laughs> it is our home track, though. I mean, yeah. we all really want to come back to Arizona. I mean, we in the summertime, we have to leave. So it just the minute we get back to our home, it's our home. Nobody can mess with us. It's it's We're going to support it. We're going to defend it. And... We're going to love it. Now, Arizona, Stacy, is your home base? Or? It is. Our, we have a farm here, actually, in Waddell, Arizona, where we raise and breed Arizona um, bred horses. So Cool. Now, I know there's uh, been a lot of talk uh, the last year about injuries and all that, and I, I want our listeners to, to understand this. There is no better group than the people in racing to work on resolving this issue, and these people are putting – all their efforts into coming up with ideas and solutions. And I know here in Arizona this last year, we actually made some great strides in, re in reducing the injuries. And that's because, again, everyone's coming together, working together. Uh, so I want to thank you know, all of you for, for what you've done this year, and hopefully we can continue that going forward. Um, Vince, can you kind of tell us of any things that may be going on this year or a continuation of things we, we implemented last year? Uh, I'll be happy to. In regards to horse safety, let, let me address that because uh, this recently completed meet, we made uh, uh, strides over the previous meet where, where our injury rate had spiked. And uh, the, this season, this recently completed season, we're, we're back in line with the national average, uh, which is about 1.6 per thousand horses. That, that being said, the goal we have here is to get to zero fatalities. Uh, one could quickly say, well, you're just dreaming. Uh, it's part of the sport. It's going to happen. And uh, maybe so. Maybe I am dreaming, but that's one of the things that has endeared me to racing for uh, over 30 years. People in the racetrack business do not give up in their dreams. They never give up. And one of mine is specifically to get to zero. Now, some of the protocols we um, initiated last year, which helped bring that rate down, is two of our vets do pre-race inspections on all the horses who were entered that day. And they are under my instructions. If they see something they're, they're not happy with, they may not be able to identify right off the bat. That, in other words, it's not obvious, but they're uh, they're just not settled on the uh, what they see with the horse. To scratch the horse, we we, we don't want to take chances of having a, an animal out there where something could happen, a fatality. And of course, when when a horse goes down, a rider goes down, so we have that concern too. So you get back to the que question: Can can it be eliminated entirely um, from racing? Um, uh, in, in the realism department, the answer would be no. 
all sports suffer some sort of uh, injury rate, be it football, basketball, whatever. But here we're dealing with an animal. And that changes uh, everything because if a basketball player goes on the court, he is making that choice to do so. Here in racing, there is a, a blend. There is a, it's one of the few sports that combined um, animal and human interaction. And in this case, it's to get the horse to the best of his ability to win a race. But it is still an animal. So for the public out there, those who uh, um, maybe come out to the racetrack just now and then, uh, and they're not really familiar with it, there is immediate empathy, like we all have empathy with uh, uh, our animals. Uh, uh, one of my friends here at the track just lost his uh um, a Queensland healer of 14 years, and he's a grown man. He just bald and bald, and I and I understand that. And we all do it when it happens to one of ours. Equally so, when a horse is injured or worse, on a racetrack suffers uh, a, a fatality. It not only affects all of us on the racetrack because we are family, uh, Rory. You are right about that. We may have our differences from time to time, and may be on opposite sides of uh, the court on some issues. But but we're still family, and we do strive to work things out. But to the outside world, to those who um, know that horse racing goes on here in Phoenix at Turf Paradise Racecourse, but are not familiar with the sport and what really goes into it, the behind the scenes, so to speak, when a horse breaks down, it, it, there's an immediate visceral reaction. And I get it. Um, uh, e- even though I probably uh, am, am never going to be in agreement with some of the tenets of PETA, I understand their passion. I, I, I understand where they're coming from. But but to totally dismantle uh, a sport, which seems to be their goal, or so they say uh, is the goal, instead of contributing like we are trying to do. All of us are trying to find answers. Uh, Del Mar just went through their meet without any fatalities during the race meet. True, that's a short meet. It's six weeks long. No matter. Horses still raced, and they were able to get through it somehow. So the immediate thing that comes to mind, well, gee, should I just call up uh, Mr. Uh, Hooper over at Del Mar and say, guys, what did you do so we can do exactly like that? It's not that easy. It, it, it's something that can't be duplicated, but you can learn from it. So we're taking what we learned this year. We're going to continue with our vets. Uh, another thing that we did that uh, helped to increase the safety of the horses is uh, generally the, the, the balance between sand and dirt on a racetrack uh, has to be w- within a couple percentage points. And if it's not, uh, it's going to go off one way or the other. In other words, it's going to be too hard or what they call too cuppy. And cuppy is when uh, a horse's hoof goes down in the sand and it breaks out from under them. And, and that constrained tendon. So it's got to, the balance between sand and dirt has to be within a, a couple percentage points. And what we did last year, we used to taste, uh, test that balance monthly. Now we do it every two weeks so that if something's uh, out of sorts, uh, we can catch it right off the bat before it would go a, a week or two. Another thing we're looking at, uh, and this would require the input from the horsemen, of course, and and I've already spoken to the jockeys about it, and um, when a track is sealed, like, like it rained last night, and so we seal the track. And w- the procedure is, uh, when it does rain and the track is sealed, I will meet with the jockeys and the horsemen at 7 in the morning. And we will walk the track, and the, the jockeys... 100% decide whether the track is safe or not to race. And a sealed track can be totally safe. 
The jockeys walk it. it, it it's flat. It's even. But it's hard. A sealed track is hard. And what we found in some of the horses who suffered fatalities last year is they didn't suffer it on a sealed track. They suffered it in the start afterwards. Uh, we had uh, 19 fatalities last year, down from 31. We had 19 fatalities, and four of those fatalities, the last start of those horses was on a sealed track. So we're looking at absolutely everything and anything we can do to make it safer for uh, for the horse. And, of course, the, the jockey who's uh, on him, um, we're, we're probably going to do that. I, I don't think... Uh, you can be too safe anymore. Now, why do I say that? The pressure that's on racing right now, which started at Santa Anita, now Belmont Park, one of the great racing centers on the East Coast, they're under the uh, uh, the gun right now because of the fatalities they are having this meet. It's, it's, it's a problem that is not going to go away, and racing is going to have to keep working, everybody, everybody, because everybody's involved in this, um, to make this as absolutely safe as possible. Exactly. And, you know, first of all, I, I do want to say, if you need somebody to go over to Del Mar, I'm originally from the area, and I would be more than willing to go over there for four to six weeks and, uh, you know, investigate what <laughs> what they did. But w- with that said, um, again, you know, I do You're really... Too fine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you guys did a re- really good job. And, I mean, you know, Stacy, even from uh, you guys on the the trainers and all that and i know a lot of you come to the meetings i see the passion and um even you guys are you're wanting to strive to make a change and make it even safer and uh i've seen when a horse has gone down the the tears it's you guys do care about these animals absolutely um especially with um some of the bigger barns that actually do a lot of the breeding um these horses are fold out in my backyard so I watch their first steps all the way to the minute that I actually start dreaming that they're going to actually make it to the track and the and race. So, but we, you know, one thing that Turf Paradise does do that hasn't done in the past, what they're doing this uh, past year was they implemented the vets to come and check every horse before they run. Um, some people weren't really thrilled about it because they get scratched in the morning. But, you know, if you go, if you actually think about it, you know, if you actually care about your horse, I'm okay if it got scratched. They scratched one of mine, and I totally sat there and said when it comes to the, the safety aspect of these uh, riders and also the other riders that are around them, if something goes wrong catastrophically, it, it's it's horrible when it happens because, like you said, I mean, some some of us have actually raised them from, from birth, and we, we just we don't want to see anybody get hurt, let alone the horse, but more or less the riders. Yeah, the the jockeys are an, another aspect of, of the industry. I was, you know, I should have talked to somebody and had brought in a jockey, uh, but you know, even they on race day when they're back there getting ready before they go into the starting gate, they have oftentimes we've given them that they can give us a little signal, and the vet will call call them over, and if the vet sees something, the vet will then scratch the horse right then and there. Uh, so there, there, there's always something. There's always somebody looking at, at for the horse's safety, and even the jockey. Once they get going, if he doesn't, he or she doesn't feel something's going right, they will pull up and uh, not, you know, be in the race so much. So everyone, I believe, is really putting an effort into the the safety and uh, aspect of these horses. Uh, now I don't know if any of you here will know or do know. Is there a 
database, for want of a better word, for this information to go for all the tracks across the country to compare what's going wrong, what should be done, or is this just a track-by-track basis um, exploration? Uh, Jockey Club. The Jockey Club in New York is uh, not all tracks participate. We do. Uh, Many tracks do. They send their uh, uh, fatalities to them uh, uh, every year. They're kind of the the clearinghouse for all of this information. Okay. Nationally. Now, something you got to remember is that each track has kind of got a different surface. um, Weather. Weather. you know, I, I, I do believe that played a big aspect in what was going on in California last year with all the rain they had. But I'll say, you know, the amount of rain they were getting, we were getting at Turf Paradise, too. Yeah. I mean, it was, if it usually if it hits below, if it hits Southern California, like San Diego, L.A. area, majority of the time, it's going to end up coming to Phoenix. So we'll either get the tail end of it if it hits uh, San Diego um, or just like it just literally comes right into us too. So we were dealing with the same water issue. Um, we had we had more rain last year than I think we've had in a long time. And you know what? They maintained the track so well. You know, I, I trying to remember the amount of starts I had last year, but um, I really didn't have. I think I probably had two horses that I I definitely noticed that there was a there was a, a fracture on on both of them. They both got turned out immediately. I, I have the the uh, advantage of having a farm where I actually was able to take them home immediately and then just rehab them. And they're just now coming back after five months, coming back to the to the track, and I'll get them started up again. But, you know, that was it for the amount of starts that I had. And it, it actually, the, the surface, with all the rain we got, we were still able to maintain and able to keep these horses sound. Santa Anita, I think one of the biggest problems was is they had a management issue and they got rid of one of the key um, people that actually handle our track, um, our conditions here, um, even with Arizona Downs and other tracks. They use this Dennis Moore. Um, he He's just very knowledgeable. And they did let him go before they even had all the bad weather. And I think once it got to the point where the bad weather came, they just didn't have that knowledge that he has had in prior to be able to keep maintaining the track to be the same to be able to go through that kind of a wet, you know, winter. Right. Well, and you, and we had. Oh, go ahead. We, we had rain. I was just going to add because uh, Stacy's right on the mark here. Of course, we've had rain uh, the, the past day and through the evening, and um, how that works is Ramiro Flores, who is our track superintendent, he called me at four in the morning when he got to the track and. We uh, go over what's going on on the track. Can it be saved? In other words, can it be open for training because we're not racing right now? And at first blush, he thought it uh, could, but uh, as, as he took the uh, float around, the float is a big flat metal pad that is attached to the back of a tractor, and it kind of acts like a squeegee. After he made one pass, about 4.15, he called me back, and uh, at, at the 516th pole, which is on the backside of the racetrack, the water had gelled there in a pool. And that made that particular area a big question mark as, as to safety. Well, if there's a big or small question mark as to safety, then we don't risk it. So we did not train this morning. The other thing, although the soil composition is vastly different between California and here, in California, the tracks are more sandy. Here we have this, we have sand. In fact, it's a specific mixture. It's called a number 10 mesh, and the only place it's available is the Gila Indian Reservation. And we spend quite a bit of money uh, every year not only getting the track ready, but having some in uh, reserve. Because what happens when December hits, 
and the temperatures now begin to shift where they're dropping at night and then warming up during the day, what happens to the track? Because we have so much clay content in our soil that is mixed in with the sand, it hardens up and it forms uh, chunks out there. In other words, it, it kind of congels and it forms into uh, into balls. And where that becomes a danger is those balls start flying back at the riders and the horses when they're racing. So to compensate for that, what we will do is we will sprinkle it with more of this uh, number 10 mesh sand, and that loosens everything up. Sometime we'll put in gypsum, depending on how severe the weather is. But you can almost set your clock by when the track is going to change here in Phoenix <laughs> to mid-December, when the temperatures really start to shift. Right. Now, Stacy, you had mentioned farm, and I want people, our listeners, to know, I know there's always been some accusations. You're just running them, running them, running them, and well. Last Friday, I went to get Chinese food, and there's a place I go to to pick up our food. It's over by uh, where um, Aaron Owen's dad has his farm. And I drove by, and I'm looking over there, and I just see all these horses. And then Saturday, when I saw Corey, I said, hey, you know, guy's got a lot of horses over there on the farm. He's like, oh, yeah, those are the ones that were just up at Arizona Downs. We're going to give them a few months off and then eventually bring them over here. So these horses are getting a break. They ran a season. Now they're back at the farm, chilling out, eating some Bermuda grass, um, yapping away, or doing whatever horses do out in the farm. But yeah, they do get a break. Yeah, my that all all the ones that ran up in Arizona Downs and they ran great, and the conditions were actually perfect for this. You know, the cooler temperatures, um, the high altitude, but they needed a break. So I mean, and we're lucky enough. There's actually quite a few people that did have horses up there. Um, I know, like people like. Um, uh, just for example, Dan McFarlane, um, Molly Pearson, um, Corey, um, we we all have the opportunity to be able to kind of turn horses out. And I think almost all of us gave everybody a break up there. You know, I gave mine at least a month off. So as soon as they ran, they were done. They went straight to the farm. And yes, and they were eating the Bermuda, which they could eat it a little bit faster. <laughs> I really don't like mowing it. Uh, there's a couple of goats you might want to look at. I have goats, <laughs> okay. and they're not eating fast enough either. We have a couple of greyhounds I could send up to you. You, can, <laughs> you want them to come and make them eat faster and chase them and make them move? No, I meant to eat your grass. Oh, no, come on out. Well, and, uh, Vincent, you mentioned something about from the studies looking at the research that the uh, you know you guys saw a pattern about after the horses had run on a sealed track. And for our Greyhound listeners, this has been something I've been preaching for years, and I wish they would really wake up and think about this, that dog tracks, dogmen, you really need to start coming together, having these talks, have the discussion after each injury, try to determine why it's happening, what is causing it, and see what you can do to eliminate it. If you don't, they're going to use it against you. And we saw what happened in Florida. They used it against you. You got your ass handed to you by the voters of, of Florida. Um, we need to stop the bleeding. Stop it. It's time to come together and start figuring out how we can improve. That's just my early what the hell. Yeah, really, it's just like an extra one today. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you take notice, it was three days ago that the New York Times, um, the front page of sports, came out with yet another article about Santa Anita, and this time um, quoting the governor of the state, Governor Newsom. And he made it very clear what he's saying in the article, racing, you better get your act together, there's going to be no more racing. That's what he's saying. That seems extreme to me to take that, but because of the recent uh, debacle they had with 
justify and their racing commission and how things looked and not being transparent and all that. Um, racing 10 years from now is not going to look anything like it looks today. Changes are going to come. Some of them are not going to be welcome. They're probably going to be fought over. Uh, but but racing is going to ha- have to change, and that's that, that's part of it. It's not only the fatalities. That, that's the heartbreaking part. But the way we administer the uh, the sport nationwide is it, we're going to have to do a better job of that. Right. And, and with the justify thing as being a commissioner, I was just really embarrassed to, to find out what happened there. And again, as on last week's show, I did mention to folks because of law, I am not allowed to have here in Arizona ownership of a track or a horse or a great. Well, I can have my adopted greyhounds. Yeah. But um, when we had greyhound racing, I was not allowed to have be, have any involvement. And that was so that it could keep me out of making a decision that might benefit me personally. You can be uh, neutral. You can see both sides. Well, or, you know, we should ask the two of them. Oh. How much of a dick is Commissioner Gray? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk behind your back well, after yeah. the meetings, I promise. Wait, can I answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> my, my experiences with you have uh, been fair. And, uh, as a general manager of a racetrack, that, that is the... The, the defining line between uh, a racetrack manager and uh, a commissioner, that the commissioner is, is fair. You've always been uh, fair with us. I try to, and I, um, again, I, I can't preach this enough. Everyone, whether it's in the front office, backside, you guys are just so much fun to work w- with and work for and represent. Um, you guys actually make me want to, to be fair and to, to do my best for you. Uh, you know, sometimes I know it is a, it's hard, but when I think on it that I'm who I'm representing, who I'm working for, then it's it's like well, this is not so hard. Uh, well, we appreciate it. Trust me, <laughs> I know. Well, see, that's nice to hear. I mean, I, in your position, sometimes I would think that you know, even in the greyhound adoption world or whatever, you don't always go with the flow. So of course, you're the bad guy. Right, but you also see things very differently and from a different perspective. And I think doing, you know, being involved with the horses and and seeing other things happen, it's not just a little little pond that you look at. You look at the big picture. Well, and you know, with uh, Florida last year, I know there's some people that were ticked off that I never came out with a, a public statement, repre- you know, for or against, and they don't re- they don't realize i represent the executive branch of arizona and i can't just go be taking a stance about a bill or something in another state like that well and and it's it's something you need to be there for i think too a lot a exactly. lot of the case. i mean it's it's nice to pontificate and say oh it should be this way it should be that way but if you do not know all the facts i mean take it back people compl- say things about arizona well, you're not here. You don't. You don't know. And we hear that with Santa Anita. They want us to put in our two cents. The only thing we could do is support them. Right. <laughs> but you guys have done really great here. And but I, you know, I think this. What I'm just so proud of too, uh, with our reducing injuries, is this study that's. You know, we we do talk about each one, and we are coming up with solutions, and hopefully others will do that as well, because we do want to see the sport thrive. People do not realize how much money. It is contributed to our economy. I believe, like here in Arizona, um, we have $90 million a year is contributed to the Arizona economy just from Turf Paradise alone. I mean, that that's a uh, lot of money. $98 million, actually. Oh, God, $98 million. So that's Yeah, and that, that's the period that, that, that we're open. So from October to May, 
that's a nice financial boost. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, to, to the um, it's a it's a way of contributing to the community, obviously, and uh, paying our fair share. But it, it has an impact. Uh, when you think of Turf Paradise, you think of 19th Avenue and Bell Road, and I, I mean that's the furthest thing from the truth. There, there's so many vendors that depend on Turf Paradise, from the hay, from the farriers, from this vendor, that vendor, that when we're in town, so uh, there's an economy that's sparking up the economy, lifting up the economy a little bit. And as far as the state is concerned, after the eight-month period, it's, um, and then tourism, that's the other thing. Uh, uh, Many of these I think we have over 900 horses on the grounds already, and um, we're going to have 400 horses from Canada this year. And how many employees are we? Yeah, that's, we have that's a lot. That. But let's uh, yeah. let's let's hold yeah. these thoughts. We need. To, I, I'm seeing a couple of dogs that uh, look like they need to get outside and lift their legs. Uh, so we'll be right back after these break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guests show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? (laughs) 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. GPA, Greyhound Pets of America. We're talking cool greyhounds. Come on down to the GPA, cause the greyhounds need a good place to stay. Great with the kids, cause they love to play down at the GPA. While they've worked so hard, now they need a rest. But when you take one home, you see they're the best. Greyhound Rocket says it on my best. Come and see us at the GPA. Come on down to the GPA. Call 800-366-1472. Or contact greyhoundpets.org. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to greyhounds make great pets with rory tj and kathy to find out more about the show and what we do please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com that's gmgp3 at yahoo.com now back to greyhounds make great pets Yes, indeedy. We are getting ready for the second half of Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Our hosts today are Rory and direct from Georgia, John Parker, and our guest, owner-trainer Stacy Campo and Vince Francia, general manager of Turf Paradise Racetrack. We are talking horse racing today, a little bit different than our normal Greyhound chat. But before we pick up with part two... I believe I hear something in the background. The hell. I take safety seriously. We have people's lives, horses' lives at risk, and if, if we're not taking safety seriously, what the hell? And today's What the Hell is brought to you from the state of California, where Governor Gavin Newsom of California said a few days ago that horse racing is dangerously close to being out of business in his state. He said, I'll tell you, talk about the sport, his time is up unless they reform. Well, Governor, I'll tell you something. You've got thousands and thousands of homeless human beings 
on the streets of L.A., San Francisco, all over the place. Maybe you should start thinking about taking care of those people, giving them some consideration. It sounds to me like, sir, you have given up on humane and taking care of your own kind. Did you know, sir, that horse racing over in California has 77,000 people who are contributing to the economy every day? They're not homeless. They're helping your state out. And you want to worry about them? Sir, take care of those that are on the streets that actually need your help. We'll take care of racing. We don't need you. That's my what the hell for today. Well, thank you, Mr. Dosekis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're doing a little bit of an inside commentary right there. Um, no, definitely something to think about. Um, and now I think we're going to toss it over to John Parker because he has a few questions for our guests. John? Yeah, I just um, I wanted to ask Vincent and Stacy uh, a little bit about uh, their involvement in uh, retired uh, racehorse initiatives. I, I actually got, just to kind of keep the Greyhound and Greyhound adoption parallel going here, I actually got into uh, off-track thoroughbred ownership because of my involvement in Greyhound adoption. And so over the years have purchased several uh, off-track thoroughbreds, or as we call them in our sport, OTTBs, uh, to be trained for, in my case, the sport of eventing. Uh, and so they're like greyhounds, they're naturally athletic animals, and they can be retrained to a variety of other disciplines. And, and so some great initiatives have sprung up, the Retired Racehorse Project. Uh, there's a number of, uh, uh, like, old friends uh, farm that takes in uh, retired racehorses and then uh, sells or adopts them out to individuals to be retrained for other sports. So uh, I just thought we'd ask uh, Vincent and Stacy about what the, what Turf Paradise is participating in that and maybe Stacy what she does, you know, personally with her own retired racehorses. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Sure. Yeah, Stacy, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, okay, because uh, I train strictly for my dad. So any of our horses that get to the point where we drop down to um, a lower claiming, um, a lot of our horses, we kind of would like them to have a second career. So majority of our horses, you don't really see our horses running for bottom level claiming. Um, we kind of don't want them to be kind of claimed and kind of run down to the ground since a lot of them, the breeding is is there and uh so a lot of ours when we start dropping them down uh we tend to already have them already picked out and retired but there's quite a few different um people that come to the track um on a regular basis looking for these um retired or soon to be retired um athletes and i've got one um super heat we've got this one bloodline of a sire that stood in arizona named uh, super blitz so i have a lot of these super horses um one thing about them, they found out they're not the greatest racehorses. They do try, <laughs> but they can jump six, six feet. So wow. they are a hot commodity. Well, I happen to be one of the biggest breeders at turf. So I have these people like literally waiting for them to retire. I've got two left and I've already got people already lined up for them. So those, those two horses probably won't ever get down to the bottom level because I really like to watch our horses have a second career. We've got one super heat that did make it to the Kentucky um, retired um, jumping circuit and end up finishing 12 out of, I think they said 112 um, horses, but wow. gee, I got, I got ribbons. They actually sent me pictures and everything <laughs> of my, my Arizona homebred that made, you know, finished that well in a first year coming right off the track. Do you keep a, a track up 
didn't mean to make a pun there, um, of the horses that you have that are retired or go to in the second career, or is it mm-hmm. just up to the people who have them then? No, actually the people, we, we really want them to send us the pictures. Mm-hmm. I've got um, one of our pedigrees that we had was out of our, our, our oldest mare that passed away a few years ago. Um, one of them is a polo uh, pony. She's she's doing fantastic. Cool. And then I, she's got her brothers, um, two other brothers that do uh, barrels, and they're making lots of money. And they actually asked me if I had it there any more of the family. <laughs> but there is one left, a nine-year-old, that is at the track that did get claimed off of me. And uh, she she's, she was willing to take that horse whenever he's ready to, to let him go. Well, that that's nice, and it also proves that – the horse industry does care oh, about their, you know, what happens after. It's not just, oh, we're out here to make money and we're doing this and that. You know, you do the right thing for the animals. That's Absolutely. what's important. And what they say about us just immediately, I mean, California and these uh, PETA people, what they don't understand is we don't do the slaughter. We don't, there's nobody. I don't know one trainer at Turf Paradise, not one, and I know a lot of the trainers. Not one of us go and bring our horses to some slaughterhouse. I don't know where they're coming oh, up with this. What happens in third world countries, of course, happens here. That's PETA's message. <laughs> <You> oh, <know. laughs> they're, they're idiotic. They have no clue. And they're becoming terrorists, to tell you the truth. Yeah. They're coming after. I think that's getting to be very common in yeah. any animal that's horrible. world. And, you know, it's their message is no animals right so one time well, that's that's what they that they don't seem to either both in greyhound racing and horse racing they don't get it that it's banning is not the is not the answer reform is the answer sure. and if they could put if they could put their energies and their money into reform their their a lot of their goals would be would be met and that is just the humane treatment of the animals involved mm-hmm. make sure that everybody's being responsible for them and and doing their very best by them uh and they it's just amazing to me that they don't get that they could do a lot more good for animals by that kind of initiative than they could by this radical let's ban everything we don't approve of exactly and the, you know with uh vincent and uh, turf paradise what uh, i want our greyhound listeners to know uh they do help out with the greyhounds and they have this really exciting day of racing with these short-legged wiener dogs um so you know i want to invite all our listeners to make sure to come on out this year and hang out with me and that's usually uh, in april correct? in april but yep. uh, there's a lot of money raised there to help out greyhound adoption um at turf paradise and i know you guys do help out with the horse adoption and other efforts there so it is it's, it's a caring community well uh, the wiener mania as we call it is set for march the 7th this year that's what worked for the uh uh people who we work with that uh, organize this event and it's a very family oriented it uh, attracts uh anywhere from 8500 to 9200 people and so they they bring their families out. You have these delightful wiener dogs. Now I will admit that I wouldn't walk across the street to see a wiener, but eight thousand people will show up to see them race. And in addition, you have uh, the greyhounds or chaperones, and they wander around not only in the event area, but they go up in the clubhouse. And you know, there's such an elegance about a greyhound, the way it looks, the way it moves, the way it acts, uh, things like that. But the money raised goes to uh, Greyhound uh, adoption. It's uh, raised quite a bit of money the past couple of years, and uh, it's a good promotion for us. To, to me, it's like equines working with canines for a <laughs> uh, for a very good cause, and it, it, it works well for everybody on multiple levels. We support. Uh, there's a number of really good 
retired horse racing organizations here in the Phoenix area and throughout the state. The two biggest ones that we support, uh, one down in Tucson and uh, one up in Cave Creek uh, in the hometown where uh, I live. And some of the horses need to be rehabilitated. They've come off of injuries. Other words, they're in the transfer. They're they're moving from the uh, the racetrack life now into something else. It may be the the show world or the polo world or simply the pleasure world. But they have lives after the racetrack. I mean that that is exciting. And I know John, you're you've always been like a big believer in myself with the greyhounds. So many people think, oh, they're couch potatoes. They're just retiring. These, these animals love and enjoy what they're doing, so it's really exciting to see some of these animals, like in the Greyhound, John, you're doing with the coursing, and then some of these horses going to polo and jumping, that they're getting to continue doing something that they love. It keeps them active. It, it gives them enjoyment in their life, and I think that's, that is humane. Absolutely. It's, the parallels are uh, amazing because they're both natural greyhounds and, and thoroughbreds are both natural athletes and they can be well transitioned to other sports other activities that they'll be good at gives them a purpose keeps them engaged and uh, uh you know it's a win-win it's a win for horse racing it's a win for the people that that get the dogs or the horses after they're uh, done with racing so um i really think it's a great thing i'm glad horse racing has got behind it uh, as they have, because uh, it's it's key to the survival of the sport in, it, in a lot of ways. It, Nobody likes to think about horses going to slaughter. Yeah, it's key, and I, I would just encourage everyone, don't hate. Come on out, get to know the people, and get to know the animals. You'll You'll find out that these are some really loving, caring people, and I would say they're the most humane people I have ever met. And I do want to point out also for our listeners, um, all the horses at the track, all the uh, greyhounds that would be at a gr- uh, greyhound track, they have people that are constantly going back there, checking up on them, checking, making sure things are done. I know at like Turf Paradise, they have their their security guards. And, you know, I said the other morning, I was there at 4.30 in the morning. And, yes, there was a huge contingent of security guards that were driving around, making sure they're checking up on things, that there's no fires. Uh, they We have uh, stewards that go out to the track that do inspection so these animals are looked after um, by not only their caretakers but by the track itself and the the state that is charged with overseeing so come out and actually learn and get a real lesson don't just listen to these haters because they're spewing false information it's a cool thing also if i'll quickly say that um Tur paradise does do um tours a lot of tours and they do sit up with a lot of people but you know i've opened my door at the farm and actually at the track to let people come and actually see exactly you know what happens to these horses from start to finish and you know i've offered a lot to these people these (laughs) these people that hate it and they won't take me up on the offer exactly and i do want to go ahead and dispel a myth right now they said with the greyhounds that they were locked up in their crates for 23 hours a day and i've been saying seeing the same thing about the horses they're in their stables for 23 hours a day and i, I can tell you I, when i'm out there at the track and i do visit often the horses they're oh uh, what five in the morning they were already starting to put them out on the whirly gigs and then they're already getting the horses that were getting ready to go over to the track and start training they're they're active throughout the day and at turf they do have some a, a cool thing although i've yet to go over and and participate they have a swimming pool that the horses can go over and swim in. Oh, yes. Oh, the swimming. Very, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Vince. Yeah. 
No, I'm just going to say it's very, very popular with the uh, uh, the horsemen, and uh, it, it does a number of things, uh, and all of them are good. One is it, it gives the horse the cardiovascular exercise that it needs, but it's, since it's not out on the track, it's not you know pounding um, its legs, which of course with a, a racehorse, that's the, the, the most fragile part of the horse, that weight is supported by those uh, legs. And for that reason, it's very popular. I think in the future, what you're, what you're going to see, and this is uh, racetracks are going to have to consider. Uh, we're only one of three tracks that has a equine swimming pool, by the way, in, in the country. But what you're going to see in the future is um, probably areas set aside where, in the afternoon, where a trainer could take his horse out to a, a grass pasture, still on the grounds, still on the grounds of the racetrack, and and let them graze. I. I think the way I see things going, some of the criticism coming the racing is enduring right now, one of the changes that's going to have to be made is uh, what you mentioned a few minutes ago, Rory, about being in the stall for 23 hours. Racetracks are either going to have to race for a while, and then stop for a while, and then resume to give everybody a rest, or areas are going to have to be provided where trainers can take their horses out to a grassy pasture, let them graze, let them play around a little bit, and then bring them back to their stalls. I think some of those changes are what you'll see in the future. Yeah, but a lot of your uh, trainers have already been doing that at Turf Paradise. I mean, if you, you've been to my barn. Um, I've got a huge yeah. sand pit where I actually, every single day, my horses get turned out in the sand pit where they get to free range, just roll around. And I actually have another one that actually has, you know, a grass area strictly for the horses. So, I mean, a lot of people have already implemented that in their in their training routine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, there, uh, John. I know you had uh, you've adopted a few uh, horses yourself. Um, I, you know, I kind of wish I actually had more property because I would probably adopt. In fact, when I was out there Saturday, there was a, a horse in the stables across from. Uh, I think it was a, is it Diablo uh, stables or Tempe. Diablo. Yeah, yeah, they had a horse there, and the horse just wanted to, me to keep petting it, and so I did. But it was it was missing its right eye, and so and I think it was kind of a little grayish color. But as I was like, oh god, if if I had more room, when whenever this one's done, I'd bring it home. But we don't have the property for it, but we do have our five X racing greyhounds. <laughs> well, you know, Roy, there well, are boarding facilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to adopt Find one of your greyhounds, Roy. <laughs> See, well, I've always wanted to adopt one of your greyhounds, Rory. Yeah, I know. And, and, and in fact, too, um, but because I live in Cape Creek in the desert, and on my two and a half acres out there, there are rabbits, there are rattlers, there are javelina, there's, you know, the potpourri of what lives in the desert, and I'm afraid the greyhound would see one of those and off, and there goes the greyhound. Well, we have a... Uh, Listen, we, can, uh, we can tell you about uh, snake aversion training. They actually do that. <laughs> I, have a, I had a, uh, one of the greyhounds of our breeding, uh, the owners moved to New Mexico, where you know they've got the same rattlesnake danger there, and they took him to snake aversion training, and he doesn't, he's, no, he's no longer interested in snakes. So uh, that's a possibility. Just yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah, John, <laughs> that, uh, the snake aversion... Um, training because of all the rattlesnakes out in the southwest it is very very common um it's almost mm -hmm. mandatory for it really any dog owner who finds himself you know like vince you're you're on the edge of um civilization and natural and you know you really have to take the precautions and besides you'd have to have a fence anyway so 
you know, that that's a little bit of the, you know, helps yeah. the javelinas <laughs> coming in, you know, to the back door. Well, maybe Vince will have to adopt my horse and then I'll adopt his greyhound. <laughs> there you go. That'll be fair. <laughs> Uh, my, my cocker spaniel was bitten by a rattlesnake, and uh, rush and everything turned out fine. Let me get that up front. Uh, but uh, it took him to one of those 24-hour uh, clinics, and all I can say is, get the American Express out and hold your breath because it's it's not cheap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Veterinary care is no longer inexpensive. So, uh, you know, we're about up to three minutes left on the show, and I'll just start with you, Stacy. First, is there anything you'd just like our listeners to know about the the horse industry? No, it's just it's a very welcoming community, um, and there's so much to do. Um, it, it, Turf Paradise offers um, different variety of, of of race days. I mean, they do even with the Hispanic community. They actually have Sunday Fiesta. Um, they offer the dogs. They also um, alternative racing, which we have camel racing, and <laughs> we don't just race horses. We do dogs and zebras and ostrich and camels and uh so no it's fun it, it, it's good for family it's you know they have yeah. family day so you could bring your kids out and you know i'm more than happy to have them come to the barn and see the horses and feed them carrots all right vincent anything you would like to, uh, the community to know about turf paradise well everything that stacy just said uh that that really encapsulates it the other thing is uh before you judge us come out and and see whether or not you're going to fall in love with the racehorse I mean, that's where it all begins. Um, as Stacy mentioned, all of our promotions are family-oriented. We don't push gambling. That is our lifeblood. And, uh, you know, some of them are going to go up to be gamblers. But if you don't fall in love with the horse, you're not going to go on and be a horse player. So it begins with that. So uh, give us the chance. Exactly. And you, there's always some good food there you can get to and uh, drink right some. And actually, watch a, watch a fun sport. And I think on a future show, we had a show last week on greyhounds, how people could get involved in just maybe purchasing their own greyhound or purchasing a portion of a, a greyhound. I think I'm going to have to do a show with some of these or organizations where you can get into investing into 5, 10, 15 percent of a, of a racehorse. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you get the right end. Why? <laughs> you know I'm getting the back end. We know that. <laughs> it's Greyhound. We know they're notorious for farting. So, <laughs> now with that said, I would like to thank our guest uh, Stacy. Thank you for joining us today, Vincent. Thank, thank you. you. For me. Uh, great information. Great information for our our guest. I do want to thank our engineer Aaron. Stay yellow, my friend. Have a great weekend and. Tacey, our engineer, thank you. Not our engineer, she is our producer. She keeps us on the straight and narrow. And she's been our producer for a number of years. Since we began. Yeah, long, long time ago. I want to thank everyone for listening. How about your co-hosts? My co-host, John, and what's your name again? Oh, (laughs) Kathy. Yeah, (laughs) Kathy. Everyone, have a great weekend. Hug those hounds. And remember, how? Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the voice.